it's just a lot of uncertainty. And as human beings, uncertainty is very scary. And it's something that we have trouble uh, dealing with as well. You're listening to the Small Business Mastermind, a podcast created to help small businesses juggle business, finance, health, and wellness. I'm your host, Morgan Berna. The Small Business Mastermind is brought to you by Olympia Benefits. If you're looking to reduce your health and dental costs, visit olympiabenefits.com. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Small Business Mastermind. On this episode, we're talking with Kirsten Secord, who is a fellow podcast host and a mental health advocate, all about the current state of mental health in Canada. It's been a difficult and challenging year for many, so we're going to be diving into what exactly mental health professionals are seeing in terms of trends right now, what impacts businesses are noticing and how companies can better support their teams through difficult and uncertain times, how to improve our adaptability and how to have grace and patience with ourselves as we continue to adapt to what Kirsten calls the new now. This episode is just part of a larger conversation about mental health that we've been having on the Small Business Mastermind and will continue to have. I would encourage you to also check out our episode about burnout and our one about employee and leadership wellness if you haven't already. All right, so with that, let's dive right into this interview and I'll be checking in with you again at the end of the episode. Uh, Welcome, Kirsten. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Small Business Mastermind. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. Kirsten Secord is a mental health advocate, speaker, writer, and recovery trainer who draws on both her lived and professional experience to smash the stigma surrounding mental health. In addition to creating and facilitating recovery courses for Canada's largest mental health organization, Kirsten is the creator of the online mental health community, Dancing with Darkness, and the producer and host of the Brave Space podcast. She is also currently working on publishing a children's book on mental health to help foster resilience and empathy in the generations to come. A self-proclaimed positive disruptor, Kirsten has dedicated her life to destigmatizing mental health and empowering others on their recovery and resiliency journeys through education, vulnerability, and the creation of brave spaces. We're going to be linking Kirsten's website, her online community, and her Brave Space podcast all down in the description below. So today we're going to be talking about mental health in the workplace and a little bit about what's been going on. You know, all of 2020 has been a big stressor for a lot of people, lots of changes. So we're going to go through a bit of, you know, what mental health professionals are seeing as well as ways to be more adaptable um, and how we can be better advocates in our workplace. So Let's start out with you just telling us a bit about how you got started as a mental health advocate and what you do now. Yeah, for sure. I have lots of lived experience with mental health, uh, and that's really what started making me passionate about advocating for others who are going through mental health concerns. I noticed a lot of gaps in the system and a lot of things that really frustrated me along my journey and made my recovery more difficult. So I am really passionate about making that experience different for other people. So that has led me into my advocacy work and just really working to smash 
smash the stigma surrounding mental health. I think we've come a long way um, as opposed to where we've been before, but we still have a long way to go. So I run an online mental health community called Dancing with Darkness, and it's just a support community, uh, recovery focused, just to help people on their own wellness journeys. And I also run the Brave Space podcast. I produce and host that. And we just have vulnerable conversations about all things mental health, healing, and growth. And I interview warriors from around the world on their mental health journeys just to help people feel a little less alone. I think that's the really big challenge when it comes to mental health concerns because it is still stigmatized is that we feel pretty alone on our journeys. So that's kind of my my life's purpose to make everyone feel a little less alone when they're struggling. And I'm also lucky enough to work for Canada's largest mental health organization. I work there as a recovery trainer. So I develop and facilitate our courses and we've got our courses online now. It's been a transition with everything going on in the world, just to really get our virtual platform up there. And so I've been doing those and I find that such a rewarding experience getting to see people in the classroom environment and and really help them on their wellness journeys. That's wonderful. And I think with this year, even though we are all going through kind of a similar experience, it is very individual what's, what's going on with each person. Are we seeing a rise in mental health concerns? Absolutely. We're seeing um, a quite sharp rise in mental health concerns right now, especially surrounding uh, anxiety and, and depressive symptoms. We're seeing a lot of people turning to substances um, as a coping mechanism, which is obviously not the healthiest choice. We're seeing a lot more dependency show up in that area. And just that overall sense of unrest and anxiety has been really, really high. We've noticed uh, a lot of increase in the services that are being accessed. And a lot of people are self-reporting that their mental health is suffering through this time in our world. And there's actually um, an emergency hotline in the US that reported a 1000% increase of their services compared to the year previous. So that kind of just gives us an idea of how much people are needing this support and and needing to feel that connection piece and get some assistance on their on their journeys. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything you mentioned there um anxiety? Is there anything else in particular that mental health workers are seeing more of? And I was wondering too if you could discuss the types of services people are accessing more. For sure. Yeah. So we're seeing an increase in reported feelings of anxiety and depression. And a lot of that is related to the increase in social isolation. If they have loss of family members or jobs, income, that fear of contagion. Uh, There's also been a big change and shift in the support systems. As I mentioned with the organization I work with, it's been going from an in-person environment to a virtual environment. And we're seeing a lot of people uh, adjusting to getting online. There's different barriers with that as well as not everyone has the same access to technology. Uh, So the supports that are available are changing as well. We're also seeing an increase of symptoms in our youth populations, and they're having more irritability, difficulty focusing, restlessness, and nervousness. We're seeing that in in quite young children. And the stay-at-home measures have also heightened the risk and the suffering of people who experience 
violence and domestic abuse. And so we're concerned about that, obviously, as well as these restrictions are starting to lift. That's helping alleviate that particular problem a little bit, but we're still seeing these effects and we will probably see these effects just continue to be compounded as it sometimes takes our minds a little bit of time to catch up to what's going on around us. So we may be suffering right now, but may not be fully tuned into that suffering. So it's about really having that awareness of of where your mental health is at and, and kind of doing what you can. We're also seeing a lot of psychological trauma that's coming up. There are some researchers that are looking into creating a pre-traumatic stress disorder diagnosis for the DSM-5, which just kind of indicates, you know, we have post-traumatic stress disorder, which is what you experience uh, after a traumatic event. If you're having trouble coping with that, we can see a lot of health complications with that. But because we're living in this time where there's always kind of this imminent idea of of trauma or loss that is causing people to show some of these PTSD symptoms before actually experiencing the trauma, which is a, a whole new thing that we haven't dealt with in the mental health world before. Yeah, I wanted to circle back to a comment you just made there. So that comment of the mind catching up, that completely rang true for me. I felt like at the beginning of this, there was a lot of denial Mm -hmm. and I saw that with a lot of people. And then suddenly two weeks later we were all in wearing masks, staying at home. And it was almost like we just, yeah, our mind just caught up all of the sudden. Yeah. And that, you know, we really are in a time of, of grieving right now. And there's the Kubler-Ross grief cycle, which shows us, you know, that first stage is that denial stage, right? That's where we're having those feelings of avoidance, confusion, you know, we're feeling shock and fear. And then slowly we start to transition through these phases, the next one being anger, where we start to see that anxiety, that irritation and frustration coming out, which I think a lot of people really experience that quite intensely with not being able to go to work or have having their lives just really upended and things that they were maybe looking forward to having to be rearranged or canceled. And then we kind of go into that bargaining phase where we're working to find that meaning again. We're reaching out to others. We're looking for those supports. And that's kind of one of the dips in the the cycle. Then we go into the depression phase where we're feeling more overwhelmed and helpless. We tend to have that fight or flight response, which I think quite a few people are in that stage right now. Um, And then we get into the acceptance phase where we're going through exploring our options. We're creating a new plan. We're trying to move forward with things. And I think as we're seeing the reopening happening across Canada right now is that these stages, they're not fluid, right? Or they are fluid, sorry. They, They fluctuate and they're not linear. We can go back and forth between these stages, which I think is why it's so stressful for our mental health right now is that there isn't that consistency. There isn't that certainty. So we are seeing a lot of these fluctuations, which is causing those feelings of anxiety and depression. The back and forth absolutely rings true. I think because things reopen a little and then maybe they back off a bit and it just keeps changing. But I wanted to to move into a bit of talking about specifically in the workplace. So some people mm-hmm. have been working throughout this. Um, some people won't be going back to the office at all this year, um, and some are sort of transitioning back. In the context of workplace mental health, are there any trends that you're seeing? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think again, that, that depression and that anxiety is showing up quite strongly. You know, a lot of people's livelihoods have been impacted by what we're going through right now. And that's, that's a huge life change. You know, when we look at the major life stressors that cause mental health concerns surrounding the financial, um, stability and job stability, that is one of the highest rated things that we can go through as one of those impactful events in our lives. So when we're starting to feel that instability in our workplace and dealing with all these changes, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of adjustments. If, even if you are working at home and you are still employed, there's learning how to, you know, create those boundaries between work time and personal time and where does your workspace end and your home space begin. There's, you know, challenges wherever you're at. There's the fear of going back to the office for a lot of people because of the unknown, because we don't have a treatment yet um, for the virus. It's just a lot of uncertainty. And as human beings, uncertainty is very scary. And it's something that we have trouble uh, dealing with as well. Yeah, absolutely. For business owners or leadership team members that are looking to help support their employees through this, how can they support their employees' mental health through all these transitions and changes? I think the biggest thing is communication, you know, clear and consistent communication is so important. Just updating your employees on what's going on, what's going on with the business, um, where are we at, those timelines, if we're able to provide them. Timelines do a lot for our mental health. Um, it gives us that element or feeling of control when we feel like, okay, I have something I can consistently work towards rather than working for no seeming end point, which is, I think, what a lot of us have been going through during this time is, okay, but to what end? And when will I go back to the office? When will things return to quote unquote normal? I don't like using the term normal because I think that's such a subjective uh, term. So I've been using the term adjusting to the new now because it is a new now. You know, this could change again, but we are working on adjusting to that and increasing our adaptability. So I think really uh, from the employer standpoint, it is that communication. It's also providing a safe uh, space. I like to use the term brave space because brave spaces, we can never guarantee that someone's going to feel completely safe. Uh, we don't know everyone's triggers and, and all of those kind of things, but we can guarantee that we can create brave spaces, which means that it's a space where people feel free to express themselves without fear of judgment and knowing that however they show up in that moment is okay and, and meeting people where they're at. And I think that's really where that empathy piece comes in and also directing employees to the supports that are out there. There are a lot of local uh, community supports, a lot of programs are adjusting their fee scales to make it more accessible for more people. A lot of them have adopted a sliding scale. So depending on your income, whether or not you're working, uh, what you may pay for the services varies. And then there's also a lot of free services that we're seeing show up. Um, the Canadian government has created a organization uh, movement called Wellness Together Canada, and that's an online resource that's entirely free for all Canadians, and they have a ton of mental health resources. So they've got uh, tech support, they have information and videos on some of the common mental health issues we're facing right now. They've got 
mental wellness programs where you can do them on your own or you can do them with some coaching. And they've also got communities of support on there as well as individual phone, video and text counseling. So that is really unprecedented, you know, that we're seeing this movement right now um, of people really banding together and offering these supports in an accessible way, which is so fantastic to see. Yeah, absolutely. And I like the comment you made about that term that's being thrown around, the new normal. It feels like such a definitive term for mm-hmm. a time where everything is so, it, it's in so much movement. Exactly. Yeah. We're, we're in a state of constant flux right now. And one of the things when you're in a state of flux that helps your adaptability and your resiliency is just that ability to be mindful, to bring yourself into the present moment, um, and to really focus on the things you can control as opposed to the things you can't control. There's a lot of things we have no control over in our lives, especially right now. Um, But really rehoning your focus on, okay, what can I do in this moment to give me a sense of control, to help me feel better, and really working towards setting up that system or that toolbox that you can use and and call on with those different tools when you need them. I wanted to touch on too, with with a lot of the services you were mentioning that uh, business owners, leaders can direct their employees to, do you have any comments for that business owner that thinks, you know, it's just not my place to bring up mental health in the workplace. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? We all have mental health. One in five Canadians have a mental health condition or concern, but everyone has mental health. And it's important now more than ever to be supporting each other on that front. And I think, you know, it is sometimes an awkward topic to broach. A lot of the times mental health in the workplace don't mesh together, but I think we are starting to see that trend towards more people being conscious of this. We're seeing a lot more peer support in uh, different programs and, and organizations where they're actually bringing in people with lived experience to help relate to people who are going through times of difficulty. And I think it's so important just to have that open mind and to know that it takes one person to really care and ask, you know, how are you doing and push past that grocery store response where we all kind of say, oh, I'm fine. Thanks. How are you? Or I'm great. When in reality, that's not what we're feeling. So it's about creating that space where people feel comfortable enough to show up and to speak authentically. And I think that's a responsibility we all have. You know, it may not be in all of our comfort zones, but no growth lives in the comfort zone and no comfort lives in the growth zone. So now is really a time we all need to band together and grow together. And if there was ever a time where we're really all going through something together, I mean, it's now. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they're, sh- they're showing in the research, obviously all the research is in the preliminary stages right now. We're just adjusting. It's only been, you know, four months really since this, this virus has taken over the world and, and really shifted the way we're doing things, especially in Canada. And yeah, so I think what we're really seeing right now is that um, people who n- never used to struggle with their mental health are really starting to see those mental health concerns um, coming up for them, whether that's intermittently or more consistently. And because they may not have had those experiences in the past, they may not know what resources are available to them, and they may be even more inco- uncomfortable talking about these things. And people with 
underlying mental health concerns are seeing an increase in those symptoms coming up. And even though they may have more tools in their toolbox to cope with this, it's still a really, really challenging time, no matter what end of the spectrum you're on. So I think the safest thing for us to do is not to assume where any person sits on the spectrum right now and really just to ask and and engage in those active listening skills and, and listening with compassion and empathy and trying to withhold judgment as much as we can. Mm-hmm. And with all these changes, are there things we can do to improve our adaptability, you know, especially with all these things we have no control over? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the biggest things when we're talking about our adaptability and our resiliency is that self-compassion piece. You know, we're all just doing our best. We're all just trying to figure it out and recognizing that it's about progress, not perfection. We are all going to have those days that are, are challenging where, you know, we really just don't know what the next step is. And those are the moments where we need to focus on that mindfulness aspect. So focusing on being in the present moment as much as we can, um, using some grounding techniques. You know, there are a lot of meditations that are available online. There are tons of apps that will provide you with guided meditations. So when you're feeling those swells of anxiety, um, really challenging yourself to come back into the moment um, and using one of those apps, even practicing just some deep breathing, you know, it, it sounds hokey, but it's one of the most helpful things we can do for our nervous system because it calms down that sympathetic nervous system, which is where we're feeling that high stress when we're in that fight, flight, or freeze mode and the cortisol's going um, and just doing what we can to engage the parasympathetic nervous system and bring down that cortisol level And by doing that and controlling our breathing, we're able to just get a little bit more of that even keeled um, and wise mind kind of thing. And as I mentioned before, focusing on the things we can control, you know, our our actions, our behaviors, uh, our routines as much as we can. It's so vitally important that we're setting up these routines to adjust to the new now. So as things are changing, modify your routine the best you can, but still have that element of consistency. So if that is your morning routine, every morning you get up and you journal or you have your cup of coffee out on the patio Whatever that routine is for you, keeping up with that. When we are able to focus on the things we can control, we're much more resilient and much more adaptable at handling these changes that we may not have control over that are thrown our way. So when we're reminding ourselves, nope, this is something I have control over, we're able to be more adaptable when those um, moments happen where we don't feel like we have control. And I think another huge piece of the puzzle is practicing radical acceptance. So when I say radical acceptance, that means that we are accepting the current moment for exactly what it is. We're not trying to change it. We're just accepting and acknowledging it. So that could be our present situation in our work environment. That could be an emotion that's coming up for us. And it's important to remember that when we're practicing radical acceptance, it's not that we're saying whatever we're going through is 
okay or that we approve of it. It's just that we're accepting it. You know, what we resist persists. So the more that we are resisting against something that is causing us distress, the more we are avoiding dealing with it, the longer those ramifications are going to last, which is then going to decrease our ability to adapt to change because we're not actually dealing with the things as they come up. So really being mindful that we are doing that and then practicing gratitude. You know, there are some great stories that are coming out of this time. We're hearing lots of wonderful things about people practicing empathy and showing up for people in ways that, you know, maybe they wouldn't if there wasn't a major global crisis going on right now. So being grateful for the little things in your life and for some of these bigger things that we're seeing as well. You know, no matter how terrible things are, there is always something to be grateful for, whether that is, you know, a loved one, or if it's the fact that you're still employed, whatever that may be, really trying to focus and hold on to those moments of gratitude. So it's essentially letting ourselves feel how we're feeling, but not feeling that feeling with, you know, trying to push back against it, trying to change it right away, that sort of thing. Exactly. You know, when there's a, an equation that I love bringing out in in the courses that I run and it's suffering is equal to pain times resistance. So as human beings, we will all encounter pain. We will all go through difficult things. It's our resistance to that pain that determines how long and how intensely we suffer. So when we're able to minimize that resistance, when we're able to accept the moment and when we're really just able to process our feelings, you know, we say feel it to heal it. And that's such an important piece right now, because when we're doing this, that allows us to deal with the issue that's presenting itself and then be prepared and and also better informed on, on the next issue that may arise because we've already dealt with this, you know, when we start to have these little successes that makes way for bigger successes. And part of it too is practicing and prioritizing self-care and, you know, self-care isn't just bubble baths and, and what, you know, it's kind of been turned into a commodity in in a lot of ways, but it's, it's about getting that good sleep. It's about practicing good hygiene, you know, eating well, getting some physical activity. It's really making sure you're taking care of the various aspects of your wellness. So that's your physical, your mental, your emotional, as well as your spiritual. And um, just making sure that you have as much in your bucket, you know, we always say you can't pour from an empty cup. So if you're making sure that you're filling that cup as much as you can uh, during these times, that's going to help you be more adaptable and more likely to deal well with all the changes that we're seeing. And specifically in the context of, of a person that's heading back into the workplace, do you have any tips for adapting to those changes? I know a lot of people have mentioned to me things like, you know, you go back in, but you don't know what you're going to do with your lunch break, or you don't know what meetings are going to look like, or there's just a lot of different stressors there. Mm-hmm. So any tips specific to someone at work? Yeah, absolutely. I think that self-compassion piece definitely comes into play. You know, being gentle with yourself. This is new for everyone. It's okay that you don't have it all figured out. None of us do. And if anyone tells you they do, they're lying. (laughs) Um, and I think it's, it's really about 
again, focusing on those things you can control. So if you're not sure, you know, what am I doing on my lunch break and, and what that may be kind of create your own, your own routine, right? Say, Oh, I'm going to bring this item in today and kind of plan. We do well when we have plans and we have that consistency. So focusing on those things we can control and really just being as curious about your emotions as you can be and leaving that judgment at the door. We are so hardwired as human beings to label things as good or bad, positive or negative. That's our instant gut reaction. And when we're able to let go of that judgment, we're able to deal with things a little bit easier. And I think in the workplace, especially emotions are going to be running high right now. There's a lot of that unpredictability. So it's about taking that moment of pause. We're very quick to react as human beings. You know, that initial gut instinct with that's that speak before you think or act before you think we really need to be mindful of taking that time to take a breath before responding to a situation. And that is actually a really healthy coping technique that we can use as well, that active response instead of reaction, because it helps us make more balanced decision. It helps us gain a clearer picture of what's going on around us. And it's really going to help our mental and emotional well-being because we're less likely to react in a way that could be harmful down the line because we're more mindful of long-term impacts. So I think when you're headed back into the workplace and there's still all that uncertainty and unpredictability, it's about focusing on the things that you can control. It's about talking things out, having an outlet. You know, we're seeing now more than ever how crucial social supports are. So whether that's a coworker, a family member, a therapist, whatever that may be, having that sounding board and someone that you can say, hey, I'm struggling with this and have the outlet and also maybe get some new perspectives or advice if that's what you're looking for as well. And again, it's just giving yourself that permission to show up as you show up in the moment and realizing that there is no normal response to an abnormal situation. So however you're feeling, however you're responding, that is perfectly acceptable. And then it's about making sure that you're acting in a way that's more mindful rather than impulsively acting on some of those emotions you may be feeling. Yes. And I think you've maybe touched on this a little bit, but you know, pandemic aside, there's going to still be regular workplace stressors, you know, projects need to get done, uh, need to make your money, all that. Do you have any tips for generally just handling stressors at work? Yeah, absolutely. I think when we're looking at stress, we're really looking at doing what we can to bring down those stress levels. Um, Often we talk about the stress bucket. So we all have a different size bucket. We all have a different capacity for handling stress. And when we're looking at that bucket, as we're adding more and more stress, it's like adding more and more water to that bucket. And eventually, if you don't have taps to release any of that water, it's going to overflow. You know, you're going to experience those feelings of burnout. You're going to start to see the mental health impacts getting more significant and more harmful. So we need to find a way to tap into our buckets and 
provide those faucets. And so that is finding those self-care things that work for you. That is having the social supports. That is making sure that you're eating well and exercising and doing what you need to do to take care of your body. We look at our whole health, right? Our mental health and our body health are parts of that. So we need to do the the work on both of those fronts. And we also need to be mindful sometimes when we're talking about the faucets or the taps coming out of the bucket, sometimes we create these faucets or taps that actually refill the bucket. So they curve up and go back into the bucket. And those are things when we're talking about uh, unhealthy coping mechanisms. So we're talking about the substance use. We're talking about some of those other addictive behaviors we may be engaging in for a lot of people, you know, because we've been home, um, we've been eating a lot more and maybe eating more of those comfort foods that may not be as healthy or as good for us. And all of these things can be actually adding to our stress. So when we're doing what we can to cope in healthy ways and find those healthy ways, and it's important to remember what works for me is very different than what will work for you and work for anyone else listening. We all need to be curious and come up with our own outlets and our own stress relievers, because that is, it's a customizable thing. You know, what works for one person doesn't work for everyone. So it's about really being able to explore that. And and sometimes you'll find, Hey, this works really well for me normally, but it's not working for me right now. What is something I can look to replace this with that will give me that same release, but isn't um, causing the harmful effects that some of those other coping skills might We just did an episode um, about sleep that would have come out the week, a couple weeks before this episode. And that was something we talked about as well as, you know, we've been home, we're probably eating a little different, maybe drinking more, all these different things. So it's, it's always interesting to see how interconnected all of these behaviors are on the different elements of our life. Absolutely. And, you know, there's so much science. We used to think that mental health concerns caused poor nutrition, but we're actually seeing that there is some effects the other way around. So because the way our body processes foods, when we're putting, um, we're not getting enough nutrients, we're putting unhealthy foods into our body. Our body is spending all of its time trying to digest and break those things down that it's not able to function as well in the other areas. So we're seeing those mental health effects more clearly when we're not eating well and when we're not sleeping well, when we're not rested, um, that has definite impacts on our mental health. And when we're not getting that exercise and that release of our endorphins, you know, we talk about the, the sympathetic nervous system and how we have that fight, flight, or freeze response. Right now, a lot of us have been stuck in that freeze response. You know, we've been in that, okay, I'm not really sure what to do right now. So I'm just going to kind of pause and maintain status quo. The problem with that is that we're not releasing that those chemicals that have really collected in our body. So we're not releasing the cortisol and activity is one of the easiest ways that we can get rid of that excess, which is why we're feeling that high anxiety because a lot of us have kind of curbed off of that. You know, we've kind of fallen into these patterns of, 
well, I don't, we call it the cycle event inactivity. So I don't feel well, so I'm not going to do the things I know I should do, which then causes me to feel worse, which then causes me to do less. And we just get stuck in this cycle. So it's about finding ways to break that cycle. One of the things we talk about in DBT or dialectical behavioral therapy is the act of opposite action. So Opposite action is a form of behavioral activation, which essentially follows the principle. Um, if you do the action, if you don't feel like it, eventually you will start feel like feeling like doing the action. So it's about saying, okay, I do not feel like going for that 20 minute walk today, but I know I will feel better after it and finding whatever way you can to motivate yourself to do that, creating some sort of reward system. And eventually the the positive effects you'll feel in your mind and body will start to replace that reward system. So you'll want to start doing these things that you're doing to help your, your whole health. It's so true. And I think that's why a lot of people say exercise feels addicting because mm-hmm. when you start it, you get the ball rolling and you just want to keep going because you're feeling good. But it's the same, the opposite way when you stop doing it. It's so easy to just keep not doing it and feeling worse and worse. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. For anyone listening that's looking to bring some positive mental health habits into their workplace or just advocate for this um, for their employees or for their team members, do you have tips on where they can start? Absolutely. I think, you know, we discussed earlier that importance of that communication, creating those brave spaces, having that empathy, leaving judgment at the door. And it's also about setting some really clear boundaries. Our mental health is significantly improved when we set boundaries. And this is boundaries with other people but also ourselves. And I think a lot of the times we forget that, you know, we forget that we can have boundaries with ourselves. And it's also understanding that sometimes saying no to something or someone, if you don't have the capacity to take on another thing um, or to show up in the way that you maybe need to, you're allowed to say no. And sometimes saying no to something is actually saying yes to yourself. A lot of us who, you know, struggle with some of those people-pleasing tendencies have trouble saying no because we feel like we're going to let people down. But sometimes when we don't say no, we're letting ourselves down and that's going to negatively impact our mental health. So it's about having those moments of boundary setting, being aware and and reflecting, okay, what are my boundaries? How am I feeling right now? Often we know when a boundary has been crossed, when we start to feel that emotionality, the irritability, um, maybe some resentment is starting to grow. So really tuning into that. Our emotions are our body's way of signaling us that something is going on and we need to pay attention to those as much as possible. And once we're aware, we're able to take the steps and the action. And that's again, where that control piece comes in. We have control over the boundaries we set. You know, we can say, okay, I am setting this workplace boundary, or I am setting this personal boundary, or I'm setting this boundary with myself and just holding ourselves accountable to that because we start to increase our self-confidence, which obviously has a huge positive impact on our own mental well-being when we're able to show ourselves, yes, I can set a boundary and I can follow through on it. So discovering what those boundaries are for you and doing that. And again, that self-care piece is so important. So finding those things that really create that idea of nourishment. There's a difference between self-care and self-soothing. 
when we're practicing self-care and it's something that nourishes us, we feel better after it. We are mindful during it. Um, we notice that those uncomfortable emotions uh, that we were feeling before are starting to ease. When we are self-soothing, which is often something we do to numb ourselves, uh, we're not connected in the moment. Our agitation will reappear as soon as we're done, whatever that activity is. I mean, you think I can think of an example where sometimes I just turn on the TV just to, to totally distract myself and numb out. But as soon as I turn that, right, (laughs) you know, you binge watch a couple seasons, whatever it may be. But as soon as you turn off that TV, everything that you were trying to escape from comes back very quickly. So that's how you start to know the difference between um, something that you're doing to nourish yourself as an act of self-care and something that you're doing to numb yourself is how you feel before, during, and after, and really tuning into that. I think a lot of us have fallen into these numbing patterns over the last few months. So it's about trying to substitute in those um, more nourishing positive patterns And when we're doing that and we're trying to create change, it's really important that we're working on adding in positive things rather than focusing on just cold turkey, cutting out the negative things. We are more likely to make and stick with change when we're slowly increasing the small changes that we want to make, and that will automatically make some of those unhealthy coping mechanisms fall into the the background. Absolutely. And I wanted to touch on this last. You're mentioning that more people are seeking some mental health services. We're seeing some more anxieties, things like that. But do you think there's going to be some positives that come out of this focus on our mental health and on, you know, our self-care through this whole situation? Absolutely. I I hope that is the biggest positive that comes out of this. Um, you know, sometimes I often say it takes an overwhelming breakdown to have an undeniable breakthrough. And I think as society, we've been needing to have this breakdown for a little while. We've gotten so ingrained in that hustle culture in, you know, prioritizing productivity over human experience and and what we're feeling. And I really hope that this is the moment that we all need to take a pause and say, hold on, I'm actually more productive when I'm taking care of myself. Resting and healing is productive because it's regenerating me. It's giving me more of that energy. And I truly hope that this is also an opportunity for people to talk more openly about how they're feeling. You know, it's something that we're seeing as really unprecedented because we're not seeing people who are normally very mentally well having these sharp um, onsets of mental health concerns. So when we're having these sharp upticks in anxiety and depression, that means more people are going to be talking about it because more people are experiencing it. That's also going to increase our capacity for empathy. Because when we're going through these challenging times, even though we may not totally understand what someone else is going through, we can remind ourselves, no, I've gone through a struggle. I felt that challenge. And I think we're all collectively feeling this struggle and this challenge. And so I really, truly hope that this is a catalyst for us to move into that space of of open communication, of showing up authentically, and of really just being there for each other and being as empathetic as we can be as human beings. It is great to see the conversation expanding. And even with this episode here, this is just a small dive 
into a a lot of topics we could cover here. Those are all my questions for you today, but there's so much more we can talk about. I did want to see if there's anything you wanted to add uh, before we closed out here. No, I think we, you know, we really touched on on a lot today. Uh, I'm sure that's going to be some information overload for for some of the listeners. And it's really take what you what works for you, take what fits, and leave what doesn't. You know, when we're talking about our wellness journeys, it's about adapting what people are suggesting to what works to us. So be curious about that and be, as we've talked about multiple times today, be compassionate and be gentle. You know, that self-compassion piece is one of the highest indicators of resiliency. So when we're able to just treat ourselves as we would treat someone we love and speak to ourselves in that way, we're really going to see those benefits coming out for us. Absolutely. And for people looking to find out some more about you, you are in a lot of spaces online. Um, (laughs) Do you want to touch on quick where people can find? We've got your community, uh, your podcast, and then also the, the talks and sessions you give. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my website is kirstensecord.com and and that's where you can connect with me and and see some of those speaking engagements and, and different things that I get involved in that way. That's also where a lot of my writing um, comes out of or is advertised on. And as far as Dancing with Darkness goes, the online community for people looking for that mental health support, uh, you can find us primarily on Instagram, but also on Facebook. Uh, on Instagram, our handle is is dancing with darkness with an underscore at the end and on facebook it's dancing with darkness and the brave space podcast uh, you can find us on instagram at the brave space podcast on facebook uh, under the same name and on twitter you can find us at the brave space tm so I really hope to to connect with some of the listeners that tuned in today. Uh, I'm always interested in having these conversations. So if anyone would like to reach out, please feel free to do so. Um, I really enjoy connecting with people and helping them on their wellness journeys. And I so appreciate you, Morgan, for having me on the show today. Uh, I really love that more and more organizations are starting to have these conversations about mental health. So thank you for being a leader on that front. And thank you so much for spending this time and sharing this information with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Small Business Mastermind. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with a colleague, friend, or family member. This helps us get the word out about the podcast and continue to bring on amazing guests like Kirsten. If you're looking to get in touch with Kirsten or you want to learn more about her work, All of her info is linked in this episode's description. Finally, if you're interested in joining the Small Business Masterminds family, you can subscribe to this podcast by visiting olympiabenefits.com slash podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll be talking to you again very soon.